0: So I want to introduce. Um, I, I, I get to the blessing of getting to meet these speakers and um, develop a relationship with them. And I, I'm looking at some of you who have spoken out there. I am so grateful for you and for your willingness to come and speak to us. Joe is is this is a um, a, a second time speaking to us. But um, he's here today because um, the first time he told us about a book that he wrote called The Ten Commandments of Business, and he told us some of his testimony about his own life of faith, and we'll get another bit of that today, and then you're going to hear about some thoughts he's had in writing a new book called Nation. and it's about the alienation of uh, modern American culture from its Christian roots, primarily, um, but a bit about Joe. Uh, Joe is married to Kathleen. I think forty-five years. So that's that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says he married up, <laughs> and we know about that. Um, they have two children, grown. Uh, in fact, he was telling me their ages. I won't say what their ages are, but. They're close to my age, so uh, anyway. Uh, and lots of grandchildren and great-grandchildren and a wonderful family. Joe comes to us from Maryland via Vermont, I think, then New Jersey, then Ohio. It's a counterclockwise rotation, and you know what those are. So um, we, we in Charleston do. Anyway, So 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 we're going to hear from a man who... Uh, has a bit of a hurricane going in his life today about um, some things that are um, significant that I think we all feel them in the culture we're living in today, and um, hopefully he's going to help us understand them a little bit better. So, Joe, thank you for speaking to us today.
1: Hank. See if we get this thing on. The green light's on. Can you hear me? There we go. Yes? No? All right. I'd like to open with uh, the reading for this coming Sunday. The second reading for the second Sunday of Advent is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And he says in the beginning, brothers and sisters, I pray always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now. And Paul goes on to say, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And that's the way I feel about us and I feel about our nation, I wanted to point out, this book that I've written is sort of a critique of where we are in America today. You know, it's Alien Nation. By the way, I started this 40 years ago. This, this, the design of this book came 40 years ago, I'll get to that, with the divisions and why we can't talk. And it took me that long to write it, actually in, in terms of thinking about it, but it's been a year in writing. But we've been alienated for a long time in this nation, and if we look at just our who we are right now with the divisions that we have, we can throw one word out and divide a room. Kavanaugh, the room separates. Hillary separates. But if we look beyond that, if we look to us as God sees us, as a nation I believe is called to witness. We are called to witness as a nation to the world about Jesus Christ and we individually are called to witness. I feel I'm called to witness, that's why I'm standing here today, and I want to tell you that you are chosen for life, wrought in wonder, deeply loved, and meant for royal splendor. That is how God sees us, and that you shine like the sun. And if I can convince you today of just that, I will have helped to change things here in Charleston, and to transform this city and perhaps this nation. So it took me a while, over a year, to write this book, and I'll tell you in a few minutes why. But there were two impetuses. I don't know how the, what's the plural of that? But the first impetus was the Las Vegas shooter. A little over a year ago, this man killed 58 people, and they tried to figure out what his motivation was, and they couldn't. But when you read into his life, you realize this man was completely isolated alienated from anything that would make him care about anything. And so when he climbed up to that hotel room, broke out the window, and killed 58 and injured hundreds, he didn't care about anything. And I realized, though, in reading about him, that other than the extremes, that there are elements within us that are the same. That alienation, that isolation from one another, that's feeding the divisions that that are in this nation today. And I felt a little bit of despair, honestly. But two weeks later, I got another vision that God handed me through a Catholicism course I was taking at church. And Bishop Robert Barron gives that course. It's a great DVD course. And he was talking about how God sees us as human beings. And he told about Thomas Merton, a monk who on March 18, 1958, was standing in a street corner in Lexington, Kentucky. And people are milling all about him. And he's standing there, and God gave him a vision. All of these people were total strangers, but he, in his words, he said, I realized that I was one with them, and they with me, that I loved them all, even though they were total strangers, because we were all made in the image of God, who had become incarnate, down, made in the flesh, one of us. And he said, I realized that I could not figure out a way to tell them they were all walking around, shining like the sun, These are the two different visions that we have in this nation. When we distill all of the divisions we have and all of the arguments and everything that we do, we're down to two choices. And the various choices we make in our lives lead to one or the other, to alienation, where we're dead to each other, or to love, where we shine like the sun. There is no other choice. And it's the choice God gives us, each of us in our individual lives. Your choice when you walk is to walk with the sun and shine like the sun, S-O-N. Or if you choose alienation, you end up in a very dark place, and that's where we are in many senses in this nation today. So why we can't talk, and here are the four elements that I think are, are crucial to how we begin to walk out our lives and the choices we make, rebellion or respect, Condemnation or forgiveness. It's hard to see that red, isn't it? Distraction or focus and apathy or passion. And we'll look just briefly at each of these. Rebellion or respect. Today, we're rebelling against everything, against teachers, against parents, against the church, against culture, against history. In fact, we are rebelling today against reality. We are not in a post-Christian world. We're in a post-reality world. We are under the dictatorship of feelings where... If I decide that I'm something I'm not, you have to honor that. And what that creates is when I say that, I'm rebelling against everything. But, and I decry you if you question that rebellion. And I argue. Now, notice argue is in both spots. But my argument with you now becomes to silence you and deny your value and deny to, for you to tell me anything about myself. On the other hand, when we respect authority, Through that we learn, we learn from our church, we learn from our parents, we learn from the culture, we learn from our teachers, we learn from authority, from the law, and from reality. And by the way, you can't rebel ultimately because as the old ad said, it's not nice to fool mother nature. Yeah, well we can't. But what happens is we still argue, that's how we learn, by arguing with one another, the Socratic method, but in arguing, we listen to one another and we become convinced of the value of that person that we're listening to and only when we really begin to listen to them in that argument process can we begin to hear what they have to say and perhaps correct them or sometimes realize that they need to correct us. The second choice we have is condemnation or forgiveness. Oh, boy, am I, I, I'm guilty of this condemnation. I'm like, it's their, it's their fault. And our, our men's prayer group, thanks, guys, for coming down. I have a couple guys from a men's prayer group up at St. John's, and we always end up that when we're studying a scripture, and, and we end up with, the, well, those people, you know, the, you know the, the Jews did this, or the Muslims did that, and, you know, we don't, we don't talk about what did I do. And so it's easy to condemn others to, you know, we stare upon this sin that we see on the outside and we refuse to discover the treasure that is within that person. Instead of focusing on the sin, we need to focus, as God does, on the value within to look at beginning to understand that person and discover who they truly are. We know the transforming power of forgiveness. Aside from what Jesus tells us about forgiveness, we've seen that happen here in Charleston. When the relatives of the... the Saints of the Mother Emmanuel 9, when those relatives stood in court 36 hours after their relatives were killed and they stood before the murderer and said, Jesus loves you, I love you, and I forgive you. I wouldn't have had the faith or the strength to say that, honestly. But that statement transformed this city from one on the brink of riot and destruction and despair to one of celebrating life and love and forgiveness and those nine saints with 30,000 people arm in arm across the Cooper River Bridges. It was a change in this city, a transformation that changed who we were and it still resonates today with who we are. The third, distraction or focus and C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors and he's speaking through screw tape says nothing is very strong, strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why. And boy, was he prescient, wasn't he? Here we are today doing digital prayer in restaurants where it's silent because no one's talking or looking at their neighbor, they're on the phone. We go home and we zone out in front of the TV or in front of the computer for hours on end surfing the web, and when we're done, if you, if, if you ask the person, well, what did you learn? I don't know. Our children are spending an average, our young children, of nine hours a day on social media. That's a full-time job on social media. And what are they learning? The opposite is focus. And here's the way I want to point out focus to you. When was the last time that you spent an hour listening to the Lord? or 15 minutes just gazing into the face of your wife, or talking to your children, or going out to Folly Beach and experiencing a glorious sunrise. If you haven't done it in a while, do it. That focus, and we use that focus to begin to see one another more clearly than we ever have. And then finally, apathy or passion, and this is a little, little tough, I'm, we're getting cerebral here, but I say to you, unless you become like children, you'll, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. We have a pandemic sweeping the, the civilized world. It's apathy, born of a wealth so great that we can just skate by our lives. We don't have to work hard. We show up Monday thinking about TGIF hump day. It's, oh, It's almost five, I can get out of here. Let's looking for the big game. on Saturday, and even that is, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't care. We don't care about our wives. Divorce is rampant. We don't care about our children. They're shunted off to other activities, and again, we don't listen to them or focus on them, and despair and anxiety and suicide are rising at alarming rates in our young people today, and that's because we don't care. And if you want to see the ultimate of division in our society, those extremes that have all the, the um, focus in our, in our society, it's because the middle, which is the massive 80%, 90% of us who are out there just doing work and want to get along and work with one another, don't care enough to stand up and say, will you people sit down? So all these divisions, and I'm not even getting to the really important ones like Clemson versus Carolina, the divisions drive us, but if we remember that we are like children, shining like the sun, if we see our little children, they will teach us how to be passionate. They run through life at full throttle, learning, loving, living life. They honor their parents, believe it or not. They, when they get teenagers, they re- realize how dumb we are. That's another story, but this, if we learn from them, and it has to be channeled, but their passion will teach us what life is really about. And so our choice, rebellion, condemnation, distraction, apathies, are evils which are destructive of men. Now in the book, I'll point out something, and I'm going to say it here. I don't talk about good and evil. The book is about reconciliation, and the focus is how do we reach across to those with whom we differ to really connect with them, to really get to know them. it's only when we do get to know them and see the treasure within that we can begin that conversation. The other opposite, <laughs> respect, forgiveness, focus, and passion, those are the goods which will transform this nation if we walk them out. Now, again, that's all pretty cerebral, and the question is, how do we heal? How do we do that? And. <coughs> Just tell you a little bit about the the writing of this book it took me a year it's longer than it's take, taken me to actually write out any particular book and the reason is is because I was focused on condemnation i was focused on even though i'm writing a book about reconciliation i had a whole middle section i was 80% done and the bulk of the book was about criticisms of things like secularism and spiritualism or or absolutism or relativism and God started speaking to me, and this is the end of March, and, and I was all done, almost, and God started speaking to me through a number of people, and he spoke to me most clearly through my friend Charles Waring. Um, and, and let me tell you something, it, it's, it's humbling when you hear the voice of God and you realize that God speaks in a Charleston accent. <laughs> Especially when he's your editor. But uh, no, Charles said clearly, you know, Joe, I, this... I'm reading these articles that you're writing, and they're very cogent, I really appreciate them, but number one, I don't see enough Jesus in them." And that struck me. And He said, number two, and that's what he told me, he said, you're writing about reconciliation, and you're criticizing people here. Maybe you should take a different tack. And that's when I stepped back and I said, you're right, you're right. And several other people told me the same thing. and. Then I asked God, I said, how do we do this? You know, how we heal was not even on the book cover at that point. That's when God showed me that. And then each time he walked out four steps of how we heal in this nation. The first was pray. And I was asked by Frank Kirk to speak to Trinity Edisto for the National Day of Prayer about prayer for the nation. And it hit me then, that's the first step. And I learned that here from Hank Avent, the very first time I came to speak here, when he took me in the back room and sat me down with several other gentlemen, and we opened in prayer. And we prayed for me to speak, and he prayed for you all. And he does that every single month. We sit in that back room and we pray that that we safely arrive, that we enjoy the meal, we thank Connie for the great meal, and we pray for one another. And that, I have applied that lesson Everywhere. And that really was key. You know, and, I mean, Jesus told us pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute us. That was the first step in our reconciliation. Without prayer, we cannot reconcile. Secondly, in June, there was a Compass article about um, a sower went out to sow. It was the sermon that Bishop Mark Lawrence gave to the Diocesan Convention, the Anglican Church. And he said, we're in the midst of this terrible legal battle that's years long. It's not going to be over for a long time, and it's over properties, but more importantly, it's about how we preach the gospel. And he said, that's not our concern or your concern here. Jesus calls us to go out and sow. That's what we're called to do. And so he said, a sower went out to sow. Let's sow the gospel. Go out to those people that you disagree with, reach out to them and begin to talk. And that struck me as the second step. Go out to those with whom you disagree and get to begin to get to know them. And then the third step in July was having a conversation with my friend Tim Scott. And he brought up a program he and Senator Lankford have instituted called Solution Sundays. And that's over racial divisions. And there's, it's pretty simple. He said, we go out and we ask people, when was the last time you had a family of a different race in for Sunday dinner? Invariably, the answer is never. And he said, if we go out and do that, we get to know them. And all of a sudden, we get to see that the differences aren't that great and that we have so much in common. And God showed me that this is how we need to apply to all the divisions, whether they be Clemson, Carolina, whether they be the real divisions that we have in belief and unbelief, or in the types whether conservative and liberal or democrat and republican invite those people into your house and i had a conversation with one guy I said do that and he's like them i'm like uh yeah and i guarantee you three things and i'll tell you this i guarantee you that at the end of the dinner you still won't agree on much i also guarantee you that though you and they will have something to think about and i guarantee you that you will have a friend with whom you might still disagree, nonetheless a friend. And the final step is love. Simple, isn't it? Four simple steps, this is the simplest of all. Jesus told us that as I have loved you, love one another, it's so hard for us to do. But if we love, it becomes the motivation for prayer. It's the reason to sow, it's the food we eat in our common meal, and it seeks the good of the other. It does not condemn, it does not preach, it does not do anything but seek the good of the other person. And so, even the disciples didn't understand that. When Jesus said, love one another, they said, what do you mean? And he told the parable of the king who had said, did you do these? And this is the, the ultimate. When you did it to the least of the, these, did you feed? Did you clothe? Did you go out to the sick? Did you visit those in prison? Did you reach out to help others? And that's what we're called to do as Christians, to reach out in deeds and to live our lives out indeed, as Jesus called us to live. When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. A lot of people tell me that's impractical. We're, we can't do that. And I'll tell you, we already are. This is who we are in America. When the California wildfires happened, when Hurricane Michael devastated Florida, Hurricane Florence in North Carolina, the, the Las Vegas shooter Hurricane Hugo down here now, 20-some years ago, over a quarter century ago, we reach out and help one another. And when we're there saving somebody, when someone jumped on a neighbor person in Las Vegas to cover them and save them from fire, he didn't say, are you a Democrat? Oh, I'm not covering you. No, we reach out and help. What I'm saying, though, is we have to remember these crises come and go. But I believe this nation is in a continual crisis right now. And that crisis is the alienation that we experience. It's the same crisis that we have in each of our souls. That alienation, when I say, God, I've got this. (laughs) The the most foolish statement I've ever made, I got this, God. And we don't. But when we rebel against God, we end up in a place of total alienation. From him and from one another. So we have a clear choice, one or the other. I do believe that in America, we are making the right choices. We will make the right choices. I I have faith that he's called this nation to greatness. And I think walking out this plan, if we reach out to the others, and believe me, this is a call to Christians because most likely those on the opposite side will not reach out. We're called to reach out, to sow those seeds. If we do, then we will bring love to America and we will see a future that I believe is the one that God has called us to witness to the world. Thank you all very much.
0: Wow, you you talking about tip of the iceberg, giving it to today. Thank you, Joe. Uh, You got the tip of the iceberg here today. Um, I don't know if you were sitting there like me thinking, how do we do this? Well, you do it with the tip first, and then you just work your way down. But I want to say this, and Joe, thank you so much for doing this, for having this ministry, for writing these books. Um, Over here is a table that, following the meal, if you want to get a copy of Alien Nation, uh, you can do that. You can talk to Joe. Joe will come and speak to any group that you are a part of that you want to have him come talk about this with you, um, share from the book with you. So see him over here afterwards. And um, I think if you if you read the um, the Mercury and get the uh, um, I'm calling it the Chronicle. It's the the Compass, right? Uh, you're His phone number, his contact information is always in there, so you can get up with Joe that way. Um, We've got one announcement to get made. Bob, would you come up and make that announcement, and then I
2: want to close us, okay? Thank you, Hank. It's ironic that Joe talked today because I told Hank that I want a moment to mention to you all one thing that's been on my heart. All of you know that we plan our trips to go fishing, we plan our trips to go golfing, we plan our trips to go hunting. I want you to think about planning a trip to go to Camp St. Christopher in in February. This diocese has put on a men's conference which runs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, It's a time for just men to be there. This year the teaching is being done by the Archbishop of the Diocese, Foley Beach. So it's an opportunity for men to come together. But where it's meant so much to me is to see fathers and sons come to this. So I want to ask you to follow up and respond, as Joe was talking about, with an opportunity to be with God. But think about coming and inviting your son or your father-in-law. There's no time like spending time away like that to deepen your faith and his faith. Uh, It's an opportunity to take relationships to a whole new level that I want to ask each of you to pray about. The conference is February 22, 23, and 24. Registration is available on the conference website if you Google Christian Men's Ministry you can find it or if you go to the St. Philip's website you can find the applications there as well but think about pray about the idea of taking what Joe is saying to a deeper level with men like yourself but at the same time with those even closer to you like family members or brothers or fathers or fathers-in-law or sons-in-law thank you
0: thank you Bob okay so um When you hear a message like this, it gets the preacher going in you, and I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But I am going to pray, and this may be a sermon in this prayer, I don't know. But I I just want to, first of all, say thank you. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and taking part in this time. Um, I see this as a time for you to be blessed. I see it as a time for you to receive a blessing, a meal, the love of the staff, and the love of your brothers out here in this congregation. And I think I think that's what God designed this for, was that we might come in here and a feeling would happen, a feeling of well-being, a feeling of being with friends, a feeling of belonging. It's all the things that Joe is talking about that we need in our lives today because there's a lot trying to break that all down and take it away. So thank you for making the effort, for taking the time. Thank you. Connie said we were, I don't know, the well went really deep today. You gave so generously today. Thank you for doing that. This is a season for preparing to give give thanks for God giving so generously. So let me say this prayer now, this prayer of blessing upon you. I want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. So would you bow your heads? Lord, there is so much in our lives each day that... Uh, that blanks out the reality of your love that ranks, blanks out the reality of your presence there's so much that we are d- asked to do there's so many demands that are placed on us that sometimes we feel like we're 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 carrying the weight of the world that we're doing things that we don't know how to do and, and aren't supposed to do but we have to do them anyway and i pray this this day that that we could be made mindful, that you would just plant the seed in us, I am with you. I am with you. That you'd plant that seed in each one of us, in our, in our thoughts, and that when things like that are happening and we feel overwhelmed, that that little whisper would come, I am with you. So, Lord, now, I say that because of this that you gave a blessing to your people. And the blessing went something like this, that your face would turn toward us and shine upon us as a way of saying, I'm going to be gracious to you. I want to be gracious to you. And so, Lord, let that blessing now pour down upon us as we go back to our work, as we go into the busiest time of our lives with Advent going into Christmas. Lord, let your blessing, your face shine upon us and be gracious to us and keep lifting up the light of your countenance day after day upon us to give us peace and to give us hope. Thank you. Amen.